You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. A major announcement from the SEC announcing the SEC on CBS will be no more come 2024. What it means is ESPN and ABC take over the full TV rights for everything SEC. Also, we'll preview week 12 of the SEC. Only five games in the conference this week as both Auburn and Arkansas will play their season finales. We'll give you game previews on every game as well as predictions. Lastly, we are less than a week from the early National Signing Day. Tons of SEC teams expected to sign top recruiting classes. We'll talk all about it with Sam Spiegelman of Rivals.com and find out what to expect next week. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free. Wherever you get your podcasts, you'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day, five days a week. All right, well, the big news Coming out yesterday as Disney held their investor meetings and they announced ESPN and ABC will take over the SEC on CBS game of the week and the parent company ESPN as a whole will hold the entire rights to every SEC game. ESPN Networks will become the exclusive home of SEC football beginning in 2024. It'll be a 10-year deal. What does this mean for you as an SEC fan? Here is ESPN Executive Vice President Burke Mangus. In addition to the 3.30 window on ABC Weekly, we anticipate there'll be a lot of games many times where the SEC game will be the uh, uh, Saturday Night Football game in primetime on ABC. You heard Kirk allude to it in the, uh, in the video. So uh, all of that uh, cobbled together you know, uh, allows for tremendous flexibility and uh, takes sort of all the antiquated barriers away from the pro- from a process perspective, which will be, I think, to the tremendous benefit of both the schools and, and their fans. Now, Commissioner Greg Sankey was asked what that means for games like Florida-Georgia, which is typically that 3.30 Eastern time slot, and also would the SEC consider moving any games to Friday nights? Here's Greg Sankey. The ability to have everything under one umbrella and accommodate institutional preferences is enhanced. And you cited a specific game, uh, the game played in Jacksonville between the University of Georgia and the University of Florida, or the reverse, depending on your affiliation, who goes first. Um, is one we can accommodate in the afternoon. We'll still have a 3.30 weekly uh, window, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. And as Burke alluded to, the addition of broadcast coverage, uh, potentially in the evenings as well, was an important part of the conversation. Uh, for the SEC. Uh, we don't commonly play on Fridays. Uh, we do have uh, a Friday after Thanksgiving accommodation uh, that's limited, but we've not been a conference that's migrated into Friday games, uh, particularly because of our respect for uh, high school football in our region. And, and that philosophy will continue with that one noted exception. That again, Greg Sankey. So basically with ESPN now owning the rights, you could have an SEC game in that 2.30 Central, 3.30 Eastern slot on ABC. You could have an SEC game in prime time on ABC and another one on ESPN. There's so much flexibility now with having the best games no matter what and not losing one of them to CBS anymore. Again, this will take place in 2024. So for now, CBS is still going to continue to have the rights for the next three years. One other aspect of this, under the New Deal, the SEC will be able to announce more than half of the season's kickoff times during the summer. So you'll already know a majority of the games or game times so you can plan your travel and everything else that goes into that. 
And also starting next year, ESPN Plus will have the rights to one non-conference football game for each team. So you're talking something like, just looking at some of the games next year, Clemson, or uh, rather Georgia versus UAB, or Alabama versus Mercer, or Florida versus FAU next year on ESPN Plus. One of those kind of matchups uh, you'll get and instead of, you know, sometimes they're if it's not on SEC Network or it's not here or there, it might be on like a regional, um, you know, local kind of channel or whatever. So ESPN Plus will have access to some of those games. So really cool news there for the future of watching SEC football. All right, let's get into it. Let's preview SEC Week 12 with our matchup breakdowns. Matchup breakdowns. All right, 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Number one, Alabama is at 3-6. and six. Arkansas, the Tide, a 32-point favorite. Alabama leads the all-time series 20-8. Alabama has the fourth-best offense in the country and the number three scoring offense at 49 points per game. Their defense has also gotten better every week. They're giving up just 18 points a game. Meanwhile, Arkansas is averaging 28 points per game while giving up 33. A few storylines on this one. Najee Harris, he needs just 101 rushing yards to pass Kevin Harris to be the leading rusher in the SEC this year. Devontae Smith, he leads the conference in receiving yards with 1,305. And Mac Jones is second in the SEC in passing with over 3,100 yards. For Arkansas, quarterback Felipe Franks, who did not start last week, reports say his ribcage injury is improving. And he's been sharing reps this week with freshman K.J. Jefferson, who started last week against Mizzou and played very well. Franks is expected to be a game-time decision. So you have to think K.J. Jefferson, if he if it's his game to go, he'll do okay. He did okay last week. Let's see how he does against Alabama. Uh, Arkansas linebacker Grant Morgan still leads the SEC in tackles. He was unable to practice much of this week after suffering a knee injury. It would be a big loss if he cannot play in this one. One other note from this game, Alabama radio broadcaster Eli Gold announced yesterday he has tested positive for COVID-19. He will not be on the call for this one. That ends his streak of 409 straight games behind the microphone for the Tide. So a little bit of sad news there. Ultimately, this is just a tune-up for the Alabama Crimson Tide to get ready for Florida next week in the SEC title game. I got Alabama rolling 48-20 and improving to 10-0. Also at 11 a.m. Central, 12 Eastern on SEC Network, it's number 9-ranked Georgia at number 25 Mizzou. The Bulldogs, 13-point favorites. Georgia leads the all-time series 8-1. Georgia has been a much better team offensively since making JT Daniels their starting quarterback. Mizzou, they've been on quite a roll them- themselves, winning their last three in a row, improving to 5-3 and three on, this- on the year. Eli Drinkwitz really doing a great job. One matchup to watch in this one. Georgia's run defense ranks third best in the nation versus Mizzou's run game, which is led by Larry Roundtree, who has rushed for 160 yards and 185 yards in each of his last two games. That will certainly be one to watch. And then, of course, the quarterback battle will be a good one as well. We mentioned JT Daniels given some playmaking ability for Georgia for Mizzou. Connor Bazelak has been really solid at quarterback. However, he has just five touchdown passes on the season. Four of them came versus LSU in week three. That means he has thrown just one touchdown in his seven other games. He's probably going to need to do more than that if they have a chance to beat Georgia in this one. The high uh, of weather in this one in Columbia is expected to be just 41 degrees, so it'll be a chilly morning for both teams. Georgia is expected to get their junior nose tackle Jordan Davis back. Kirby said earlier this week there's a chance freshman running back Kendall Milton could play this week, and 
He said he would not expect Richard LeCount back this week, though LeCount did accept an invite to the Senior Bowl this week. I think this one is close for a half. I think Mizzou hangs around, but Georgia pulls away late. Give me the dogs, 38-27. to I don't think Georgia covers the 13, but a good win heading into the Vandy game next week. At 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern on SEC Network, it's 2-6 Tennessee at 0-8 Vanderbilt. The Vols are 16-point favorites. Tennessee won this game 28-10 last year, but prior to that, Vandy had won a few games in a row versus the Vols. Tennessee has had their issues, but this is the one where they do not want to mess around and lose. Tennessee comes in on a six-game losing streak, while Vandy comes in on a nine-game losing streak, eight in a row this year and one to end last year. Vandy does nothing well on offense. Their freshman quarterback, Ken Seals, was starting to improve until their last game against Mizzou, where he was held to just 79 yards passing as they were shut out for the Vols. They put up a fight for about three quarters last time out against Florida. We expect Harrison Bailey to be the quarterback, but it sounds like J.T. Shrout may also see some time this week. The good news for Vols fans, no Jared Garantano anymore. But Tennessee needs to get their run game going. Ty Chandler, Eric Gray, help snap this losing streak before they play host to A&M next week and could have a chance to play spoiler there. I think the Vols win it 31-10. Ugly, probably sloppy game, but a much-needed win for Jeremy Pruitt. At 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, 3 and 5 LSU travels to number 6-ranked Florida. Florida is a 23-point favorite. LSU has actually won 7 of the last 10 in this matchup, but the Tigers still reeling after that blowout loss to Bama last week. The Gators, they're looking to pad their offensive stats, get Kyle Trask a handful of touchdowns before they get ready for the SEC title game next week against Bama. LSU will make a change at quarterback this week. They will start their other true freshman, Max Johnson, who's had some success late in recent games. This will be the first time LSU has started three different quarterbacks in a season since 2008 when they started Andrew Hatch, Jarrett Lee, and Jordan Jefferson. They lost their best receiver two weeks ago when Terrace Marshall opted out. Now they lose their second best receiver as freshman tight end Eric Gilbert has opted out. The good news for LSU, the Florida defense has not been lights out this season. LSU should be able to have some offensive success if they can get that run game going with John Emery and Ty Davis-Price. But the LSU defense has been god-awful this year. Their passing defense ranks 125th in the nation. So much for DBU. Dan Mullen and Trask should have a field day against the Tigers. I think this one a bit high scoring. I'm going Florida winning it 51-24. to They cover that lofty spread. And lastly, at 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern on SEC Network, it's 5-4 Auburn at 2-6 Mississippi State. The Tigers, 6.5-point favorites. Auburn leads the series 64-27-2. Auburn has won three of the last four in this series. We know the Bulldogs' formula. They're going to throw it around a lot. Auburn will try to be a bit more balanced. Running back D.J. Williams did practice this week. He's not 100%, but Gus Malzahn did say he will be available to play. And lead back Tank Bigsby is a little bit healthier this week than he was a week ago, so that should bode well for the Tigers. Auburn linebacker K.J. Britt announced last night on his social media that he will not play again this season for the Tigers. He will begin prepping for the NFL draft. Did have thumb surgery early on in the season and never did return, so we wish K.J. Britt the best on the next level. The Bulldogs, with quarterback Will Rogers, they have steadied the ship a little bit their last two games. They've Lost by an identical score, 31-24 versus Georgia and Ole Miss. It's a reason to believe they could keep this one close. But I think Auburn gets that run game going, starts to pull away by the second half. I'm taking Auburn to win it 34-24. to 
and those are your matchup breakdowns and predictions. Ole Miss and Texas A&M, of course, that game was canceled, and Auburn and Arkansas, they will finish off their seasons this weekend, and they'll join Kentucky and South Carolina. Everybody else still scheduled to play next week. When we return, we're going to talk all things SEC recruiting ahead of the early National Signing Day with Sam Spiegelman of Rivals.com. Success, party, celebrate. The weekend is here. That means you can spend all day Saturday sitting on your couch and enjoying some ice-cold Coors Light. I heard from a couple of you, you like to sit out on your back porch. Some of you guys got the cool setup back there with your TVs and your ice-cold Coors Light in your hand, and you don't even need to refrigerate them because it's getting that time of year with the weather outside. You can just have an ice-cold Coors Light, and you'll see the mountains on the side of the can turn blue. You know they are ice-cold and ready to go. Watching football is therapeutic, drinking Coors Light while you're watching that football, even more therapeutic and relaxing. You're talking mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light, cold lagered, cold filtered, cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind. So when you guys hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill, and that is Coors Light. A reminder, you can get them at their website at get.coorslight.com. They'll deliver it straight to your door. Don't even need to leave your house Coors Light has got you covered. And remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, coming up on Monday, we'll recap the entire weekend of SEC play, give you our takeaways, who impressed and depressed, and much more. Make sure you tune in Monday for Locked on SEC. We're all along here at Locked on SEC crazy to think that uh, the season is ending for several teams this coming weekend other teams will play uh, their final games next weekend of course we'll have the sec championship game kentucky and south carolina their seasons are over already it's just crazy how this uh, season has shaped up but with everything being a jumbled mess we've got uh, the early national signing day coming up next week and I'm sure uh, all those teams that are still playing games next week, not looking forward to having to battle uh, signing day, recruiting, and prepare for a game, but that's what they have to do. And join us now to talk all things recruiting is Sam Spiegelman, who covers recruiting for a big part of the South for Rivals.com. Sam, this has been a, a crazy year, but this is uh, this is how we got to operate, I guess. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. It's the signing period just kind of snuck up on us. Uh, you know, it's, it's so many different factors you think about these seniors who are making these decisions a lot of them made them you know in the spring or the summer just and they thought they'd have a chance to go visit these schools they committed to they they realized probably at the beginning of the fall if they had their senior season they probably weren't going to take official visits either because of the ncaa so now you're seeing kids kind of you know are they sure with the decisions they made earlier you know are they going to flip are they going to stick are they going to maybe hold out to february it's it's a crazy time and a crazy year, so I guess it just seems fitting that you let's just throw signing day right in the middle of it. Uh, I know you cover the areas of, of Texas, Arkansas, Mississippi, uh, uh, Louisiana, but as I look at the recruiting rankings, obviously Alabama's right there at the top, LSU's up there, Georgia's up there, Florida's up there. Uh, it seems like most of these schools have anywhere from 20 to 22 kids already. Is the expectation on Wednesday just a lot of these kids are just going to be signed on the dotted line and... Um, maybe that'll be the big storyline is just getting the big bulk of your class in here quickly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the goal every single year. You know, if, if you're able the goal is, you know, depending on each team, each program, 
you really want to get as you know if you're going to sign all 25 you want to get 20 in the in the basket before february this way you're not worried about so many kids um when, when february rolls around you you can kind of move on and start recruiting that 2022 class those juniors that are about to be seniors and in a weird year like COVID where, where you had so many early commitments, you know, like I said before, kids that have never visited campus, you know, those kids are now considering being homesick. So, you, you know, if they're not sure, you know, if you're a team, you're trying to sign them. You're trying to, you're trying to not have to recruit them any longer. And, and because of all these crazy conditions, you know, they, they are definitely thinking twice and three times about their decision more and more. But uh, this, it looks like it's going to be a busy early signing period I would expect, as most years, about 85% to sign, but, you know, it's an unusual year, so you have to open the door for unusual circumstances. I know we have a, an audience all across the South, so we have fans of different teams, so it's hard to focus on specific ones, but I just want to hit on a couple of the big names that are still undecided. Obviously, we have Mason Smith, who, according to Rivals, the number one recruit in the country from the state of Louisiana. He's undecided. Corey Foreman, uh, number three recruit, he's out in California as a defensive end. Uh, the big names, are those guys expected to make decisions soon, or are they going to wait for, for February for their decisions? Both Mason and Corey Foreman are going to be announcing uh, next Wednesday, the start of the early signing period. Um, Mason has a final five of LSU, Georgia, Bama, Florida, and Miami. Um, from, from what I understand, it's, it's going to be an SEC team. He's going to play on the SEC on Saturdays. Alabama, Georgia, LSU, you know, from what I understand, are, are really at the forefront. Florida was in it at one point. Miami was in it at a certain point. They're not completely out of it, but as the decision winds down, you know, your focus is on the real contenders, and he's got strong ties to each of those three SEC schools. Corey Foreman is also going to announce he was the last number one player before Mason uh, usurped him as number one. Corey, I believe, is coming off a visit to Clemson. Um, since he decommitted from Clemson, USC has been a team with a lot of buzz, and of course, LSU, Alabama, Georgia are also thrown into the mix because he and Mason Smith are very close friends. Uh, dating back to being underclassmen at these recruiting events, you know, obviously pre-COVID, and they have they visited Georgia together, they visited LSU together. Uh, Foreman was supposed to be back at LSU for the Alabama game; he was not there, uh, but he was at Clemson, and you know, and now it's all eyes on these two as a uh, as a decision years. I'll just do a couple quick hitters for you. I mean, Alabama—they're always right there at the top. Any reason to think they're not going to finish with uh, the number one or number two class when it's all said and done? You know, there, there's a couple of dominoes that could fall either way that could certainly vault up, a, you know, a team that's close. But Alabama has been absolutely dominant um, with their recruiting this year. It just, it, it, it's crazy to think. Their offensive line class is absolutely ridiculous. Um, they're really good in the secondary. And then they flip Jalen Milrow, a top 100 quarterback, away from Texas. He's, and he lives in, in Katy, Texas. So that's pretty incredible. Um, Alabama is definitely the surefire bet to rebound. They're going to win a national championship and, and a recruiting championship all in one. <laughs> what about LSU? They are um, Coach O's done a really good job at his time of LSU, but if you believe all the rumblings and everything that's going on right now, just 11 months removed from winning a national championship, you know we got guys wanting to opt out, guys wanting to transfer, and they're losing, and it looks like every, all hell is breaking loose. But don't you always see that, that fallout the next year after winning a championship? You normally see that really good recruiting class right now looks like as long as these kids stay committed that they're in a good spot to finish strong. 
Yeah, you know, with LSU, they were on top of the college football world, you know, just earlier this year, you know, for perspective. And, you know, there's definitely a lot of uncertainty around Baton Rouge with, you know, obviously the USA Today investigation, um, you know, who's going to be on that coaching staff next year, who isn't. Um, and, you know, that, that affects both in-state kids and out-of-state kids. So, you know, we, we don't know too much about what the fallout at LSU is going to be. Coach O is a fantastic rec- recruiter, obviously, as a head coach. Um, Louisiana has a special class. They already have a five-star committed in Sage Ryan. And, and let me tell you, Sage was planning to commit to Alabama before when he decided to make his announcement. So they're still recruiting at an extremely high level. They've done very well. Um, you know, there's some rumblings that a couple of their out-of-state guys are, are looking at other options elsewhere. That might cause some, some fires. They, they may fall a little bit in the rankings. But, you know, if they can get a guy like, like Mason Smith, if they can sneak out a, a commitment from, you know, a Savion Bird in Duncanville, Texas, you know, it could just certainly bolster their class. And they're offering more kids now. They just offered uh, Logan Diggs out of Rummel. Um, you know, they, they have really good backup options if they lose some of these out-of-state guys. Malik Neighbors, who's committed to Mississippi State, is another one. They're, they're trying to flip. And, you know, so they lose a four-star from Alabama or a four-star from California, they can replace them from a four-star from the home state. Kirby has just done a tremendous job ever since he's gotten to Georgia, always and right there, top five, top ten recruiting classes. Looks like it's going to be strong again. And, you know, the arrow seems to be pointing upward with them right now, the way JT Daniels has come on at quarterback. You expect him back next year. But my buddy who's a Georgia fan is all excited about this Brock Vandergriff kid, the quarterback who's part of this class. Yeah, Vandergriff is... You know, that's, that's one thing that Georgia fans should be very thankful for in 2020 is having just a, a state championship winning quarterback coming, you know, from the home state. I mean, at one point he was the number one player in the country when we first started these 2021 rankings. He played at the five-star challenge last year as a junior. I'm sure he would have been invited back as a senior if, if not for COVID. He was committed to Oklahoma. Then, obviously, that, that didn't work out. Now, our new number one our number one dual threat ended up committing to Oklahoma. Caleb Williams out of Washington, D.C. Opened the door for Brock Vandegrift to stay home at Georgia. And they are in the mix with a couple of big names. Uh, we just talked about Mason Smith. If, if, if not LSU, if not Alabama, Georgia's in it as much as anyone. He's always had an interest in Georgia. He's been there multiple times now, uh, even in spite of COVID. He's got a fantastic relationship with, with Kirby Smart. And they've come into Louisiana and taken – top prospects before they just did it a year ago with with Cedric Van Pran out of Warren Easton um they're also in the mix for Shamar Turner who's a top 100 defensive end out of DeSoto Texas borderline five-star very much in the conversation is one and he's you know he's big on Georgia as an SEC team as an SEC contender and, and one of those teams that can develop you for the NFL and they have that reputation as well uh Georgia could push Alabama for for that top spot in theory if a couple of these dominoes fall the right way. More with Sam Spiegelman from Rivals right after this. A quick minute here for our friends at Built Go. We talk about them all the time. Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do. I know you're working through that long work week. Sometimes you hit that crash in late afternoons. You feel like you can't go on. You ate a big lunch let Built Go do the work for you, whether it's mental or physical, whatever kind of wall you need to break through, you could do so with Built Go. It is the best workout gel on the market. It's five hour energy without that crash feeling, plus, it's natural, so it's better for your body. 
comes in three delicious delicious flavors. You got peanut butter honey, you got chocolate coconut, you got chocolate mint, which is my personal favorite. Built Go combines energy gel with protein. It's fast absorbing, gets into your system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. It's got all that good stuff in it that you need to get yourself going, all those B vitamins and whatnot. Check them out right now. Go to their website, builtgo.com. And when you find something that you like, when you put it in your cart and you're ready to check out, make sure you use the promo code LOCKED. That's L-O-C-K-E-D. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED. 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let them show you what they can do for you. Make sure that they're the ones that help you break through your wall at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Hey, looking for the best bets heading into Sunday's NFL action? Listen to Locked On NFL every Friday as your boy Q and Bo Brock are joined by a betting expert and analyst from the Action Network. Get your full weekend preview and Sunday six-pack of winning bets every Friday on Locked On NFL. Subscribe to Locked On NFL wherever you get your podcasts. Continuing on our recruiting conversation with Sam Spiegelman of Rivals.com. Florida has always seemed to recruit well, and I think that was one of the questions with Dan Mullen going there was, okay, you know, he did great at Mississippi State, but could he keep that recruiting level up? Could he keep Florida going? And, man, they're right there in the top six right now, and I was surprised to see they got 26 kids already, so it looks like they're, they're already close to a full class, if not already there. Uh, expectations for the Gators that Dan Mullen's going to start cranking this out and getting some big-time recruits in there every year? Yeah, I, th- I think this year is going gonna, is gonna to start a domino effect, a trickle-down effect. They're going to start winning recruiting battles against Miami and Florida State. I mean, obviously Miami is also having a lot of success this year, um, which, which, makes it, which makes recruiting in Florida super fun. Um, you know, Florida State is, is working that angle as well. But, you know, Florida has a couple of really talented quarterbacks committed. Their offensive success is drawing the attention of other elite tight ends, obviously with Pitts and, and Trask success has the attention of quarterbacks and obviously the receivers that want to play with certain quarterbacks. So I think especially on the offensive side of the ball, you're starting to see them recruit a lot better under Mullen. And, and the biggest thing is, is you remember, you know, guys like Jamar Chase and, you know, having got big time names from out of state and end up wind up decommitting and, and never kind of following through with Dan Mullen, you want to see them hold on to those commitments and finish strong. And they're in a great position to do that in 2021. They're in the mix for another, you know, local playmaker in my region, Destin Hill out of Edna Carr. Um, uh, they're going to get a bunch of great guys like Kerryon Arnold, Tunmiche Adelaide, uh, Xavier Soares, or top 100, top 150 players in the whole country are all going to be on campus this weekend. They're in a great position to finish strong and then add more star talent during uh, next week's signing period. So a couple more for you, Sam Spiegelman, of course, uh, Rivals.com. And if you're not a member at Rivals.com, you need to be because tremendous insight, of course, the go-to when it comes to uh, all things recruiting. I, I look through the rest of the top 25. I see Tennessee up there. I see Texas A&M. I see Arkansas. Sam Pittman doing a great job in year one. I was shocked to have to scroll down and find Auburn way down at 52. What's going on with Gus Malzahn? Yeah, uh, you know, obviously Auburn's having kind of a an underwhelming season. If you if you were to look at you know the surprises and disappointments of the year, you could definitely put Auburn on the ladder. You know, along with some of the other teams that we've mentioned. But Auburn, being in the Southeast, you just put yourself in a good spot for a lot of talent. And like I said, all those early commitments during COVID, you know, maybe you know a kid from Alabama or Georgia or Florida 
maybe doesn't want to go all the way to, you know, USC or doesn't want to go all the way to Texas, but, you know, Auburn suddenly has openings, suddenly have opportunities to add some more talent. I know that they've been close with a lot of top 100, top 50, even talents. Um, they've kind of slipped out. Other, other teams just recruiting well. I think if they need to do a good job with some, some homegrown talent, and I think that they're in a position with a couple of really big names that have recently you know, changed their minds. One in particular is Terrence Lewis, a linebacker, um, real local to Auburn. If they can close there, all of a sudden their recruiting class is going to look a lot better into this time next week. What is the biggest storyline to you, I guess, in the SEC? Just looking for—I mean, like I keep—I see Ole Miss is is up there. You know, they're they're in the forties. I keep hearing rumblings that maybe Lane Kiffin is gonna—he's gonna come through with one or two of these big names before signing day. It, it just seems like all these kind of—I say middling SEC teams, but these ones that are kind of uh, you know in the middle. Like, man, if they get a big name or two, they could really swing some momentum going into twenty twenty one. Well, you know what? Ole Miss is doing really well, and they're kind of picking up steam at the right time, and they have a ton of momentum with, with a lot of the talent in Mississippi. We've seen a ton of flips. We've seen a, we've seen a lot of decisions from Mississippi kids all starting to come together. Uh, Antonio Harmon is a, is a four-star wideout. I think he could also play safety at the next level. He's going to basically decide between Ole Miss and Mississippi State on Monday. That's a big one. They're, they're recruiting the state of Texas. They recruit Louisiana. They recruit all over the southeast. They recruit nationally. Uh, Matt Corral's success, the receiver's success, it's got everyone's attention there. You know, if you can score a lot of points and play in the SEC, that's going to attach, uh, you know, it's going to grab recruits' attention because obviously the SEC, it just holds a, has a little bit more meaning when you start thinking about your future and where you could be as a draft pick. But one of the biggest storylines, at least from my angle, is there are a ton of elite defensive linemen that are going to make their decision next week. We talked about Mason Smith. We mentioned Tunmichi Adelaide. We also talked a little bit about Shamar Turner. Those are three of the best dudes in the country, and they all have a similar, you know, group of final teams. And, you know, you just wonder, can one of these teams land two of the three? Can someone, you know, Alabama is a finalist for all three. Could Alabama grab three of the top 50 defensive linemen in the, in the top 50 in the country? That would be absurd, <laughs> but you wouldn't put it past Nick Saban to do that. <laughs> LSU is also in the mix for, for a bunch of them. Georgia. A and M, and you know, if, if any one of these SEC, if, if they all go to different teams, it probably won't be much of a storyline. But my my money is on A and M to possibly land two of those three, and all of a sudden A and M, which is obviously number five team in the country, having their best year under Jimbo Fisher, is all of a sudden a potential playoff team that's dominating. <laughs> you know, recruiting in the South with five star talents on the way. We could talk about them with on a national championship trajectory. And not too long. <laughs> he is Sam Spiegelman, Rivals.com. Last thing for you, Sam, and I appreciate your time so much. Are we going to have, like, just, it's amazing to me that we even had recruiting during this whole pandemic where you, you can't go visit schools and all this. Like, what's the craziest thing that you've seen and experienced? And, like, are we going to have cases where kids end up signing with schools that they didn't even visit because they couldn't make the visits? Well, in short, yes. It, it's been an absolutely crazy year. It's been wild to cover. I mean, it's been fun to try and make things work, try to keep doing our jobs and to see recruiting continue in, in spite of all these obstacles and, you know, and just insane things that we're not used to coming, coming to the picture. Um, kids have definitely committed to schools that they have never visited. And, some, and I can tell you it's been frustrating for kids, for parents, for coaches, and equally as frustrating for college coaches 
Um, you know, I think some of the cool parts about this, what I've seen this year, is there's been virtual combines. You know, so, you know, underclassmen, seniors, you know, sleeper seniors, coaches doing, you know, extraordinary things to get their kids noticed, you know, and inviting people like myself out there to cover events like that and, and do it safely. I think that, you know, they get they deserve a, a round of applause, and, and I know it's helped with their with the recruiting because if you don't have camps, if you can just see a six foot four, two hundred pound kid run a four five forty, that that's enough. That might be enough to offer in a strange year where you didn't get to go to any spring practices or, or any games on Friday night. I can tell you that you know probably the craziest thing is seeing some of these player and player parent led recruiting visits. I know we saw it at Oklahoma at LSU. Um, the Sooner Summit and the Tiger Turnout. I mean, I mean, it's it's hard enough for me to plan a trip. So to imagine <laughs> doing it for you know twelve, seventeen year olds and and you know whoever they want to bring along, that just seems extraordinary. And and hats off to them. But you know, it's it's a weird year. I think we're in for a lot more drama on signing day than we're used to. Um, I think we're we're you know there's things that I can't even predict that are going to happen in the next couple of days. That's what makes recruiting fun, and it's kind of a, a throwback to it. So maybe we don't know where everyone's going, but maybe we're in for some more surprises than we expect. Yeah, and if you got a brother or a friend that, that's in high school football, make sure you tweet Sam and send him his uh, his film because I see that all the time. All these everybody's always sending you, hey, check out this kid. Hey, don't forget about this kid. It's really funny. Sam Spiegelman, it's the story of my life. <laughs> Rivals.com. again. Encourage all you guys ahead of signing day. If you haven't already become a member, definitely go check out Rivals.com, become a member, and uh, get an insider of whichever your team is. Sam, appreciate the time, man. Good to talk with you, and uh, we'll have to do it again soon. Absolutely, man. All the best to you. Have a great holiday. Thanks so much. Same to you, Sam Spiegelman there, covering uh, recruiting for Rivals.com and one of the best out there. It's uh, He used to uh, be on a couple different beats for, for specific teams, and now he does his thing uh, across the, the whole South Central recruiting area, they call it. He covers Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Mississippi, Louisiana, and then you got other guys on the right side who who handle Georgia and Florida and Alabama, and it's just uh, it's crazy. But they keep up with everything. I mean, a lot of these kids, if you get a if you get a uh, an offer from Alabama, chances are you also got an offer from LSU, Florida, Georgia. So a lot of these kids all cross state lines constantly, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see what happens on National Sign Day coming up next week. All right, that is just about going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. Remember to tune in on Monday. We'll recap the entire weekend of SEC play, give you our takeaways, who impressed and depressed, and much more. Make sure you tune in Monday for Locked On SEC. Next week, we'll also get you set for the SEC title game. Start to break down Alabama, Florida. For those of you going to the game, we'll give you some tips on uh, what to look out for while you're in Atlanta, how to be safe, all the COVID protocols and everything else out there. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great weekend. 